being 100 blunt right like i think i have money anxiety where it's like i'm so conscious of not being broke and not going to a life that i don't want to live that i'm always thinking about it and i'm afraid to spend money so i actually am consciously not trying to splurge and blow money but trying to treat myself with the things that i deserve for all the hard work and the surgeries and stuff and it's a balance but ultimately there's nothing that i'm going to try to do to impress anybody else in their value system that can be a detriment to an older version of myself. T minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, Two, one. Journey to Launch is supported by First Republic Bank. A seamless banking experience is something we all want, but what does it really mean? At First Republic, it means you have access to your own personal banker, someone who knows your name and is there for you when you need them. I know at any time, I can just reach out to my personal banker, Linda, with any questions that I have. It's amazing to know that I won't get the runaround by the automated voice recordings and number prompts that lead you to a dead end that I don't have to be put on hold for hours before I can speak to an actual person. Whether you're browsing their full suite of services or just have questions about your bank statement, you can reach out to your personal banker by phone or email and through the best-in-class banking app. See what a difference an always-on, seamless banking experience can make for you. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, journeyers, I'm really excited to have on a special guest, Brandon Copeland. And I've been waiting to talk to Brandon for a while now, ever since we met Brandon on the panel that we did, because you were such a dynamic speaker and have such an interesting background. So first, a little bit more about Brandon before I introduce him and let him talk. But Brandon is more than just a NFL player. Yes, he's an NFL player, but he's an entrepreneur, professor. So they call him Professor Cope. Professor Cope, what's up? Father entrepreneur, husband, philanthropist, and wellness advocate. I mean, I probably forgot some things in there, Brandon, because it seems like you do it all. (laughs) I'm so impressed by you and what you're doing. So I'm really excited to introduce you to my journeyer community. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What's up, journeyers? I'm excited to be here, excited to talk shop, and uh, hopefully uh, can add some value to you guys. Yeah, I think you will. I mean, you have a unique I think perspective, it's very, I think it's a common like down to earth perspective, but from your position of where you are in life and what you do for a living, I think it's fascinating. So 
you are an athlete, you're an NFL player, you've been in the league for a while now, but some of the things that stand out about you from what I've been researching, reading, and what I know is that one, even though you are an NFL athlete, you are fully committed to living your life also outside of the field. And your NFL career is like your main job, the vehicle, but you have like side hustles that don't really seem like side hustles, like these like full-time things that you do. And I'm impressed because as someone who, you know, I didn't get to the level you got to, obviously, or someone who's um, looked at pro athletes, I'm always wondering how and why don't more athletes do what you're doing. And so I want to get into what led you, one, to have such a dynamic career outside of the NFL, and then we can get into more of the specifics. Yeah, no. Well, um, so so I answer that in a couple of ways. One, I'm fortunate to have a grandfather who played in the NFL and he played for 11 years, won a Super Bowl. And, and fortunately, he was uh, a huge figure and role model for me in my life growing up. He was my superhero. I mean, you talk about I did a TED talk on him two years ago. I don't know the pandemic, you know, you, you don't know what what year it is anymore. But ultimately, he was able to pour so much into me I mean, give me so much confidence not only on the football field, but more importantly, just about like, I got to see his life after football. You know, I got to see him have to, to work and provide for our family. You know, my mom, um, obviously I can only imagine when she was younger and growing up and all that stuff, but he, he lived in a time where you had to have two jobs. He was a substitute teacher in the off season, a starting quarterback for his team, Johnny Unitas, which he's, you know, you can equate him to today's version of Tom Brady or, Peyton Manning or one of the top tier quarterbacks, right? Like he was a substitute teacher in the off season, you know? Um, so, so for me, seeing what his life was like after football and he had a, a good life, but it wasn't like the movies, it wasn't like the TV shows or anything like that. He encouraged me to say yes to as many opportunities as possible. I remember him giving me a story about how he got an opportunity to broadcast. Uh, I'm not sure if it was shortly after his career, probably for a black man at that time, probably shortly after his career, probably wasn't during his career and i've actually broadcasted during my career right and and the only reason i said yes to that opportunity was because he was walking with me on campus on college on a college campus and he said you know cope i i got the opportunity to broadcast one time and i i told him no and i can't tell you why i told him no i think i was just young and just partying and and, and just being young and dumb right and i think about my life sometimes i wonder if i would have said yes would I be the guy up on ESPN right now talking, right? And I don't think he had quote unquote regrets, but hearing that from my role model just made me lean into discomfort much more often than some of my peers. And and also sometimes also probably to my detriment as well too. To answer the other side of your question, I think that I get both sides of the coin from an NFL player, from a pro athlete, right? Like, you know, I've, I've spoke with rookies and one year, a buddy of mine, Johnson Batmosi, he graduated from Stanford. He was one at one time the highest paid special teams player in the league. And one of the things he was saying to the rookies was like, listen, as much as we're telling you to learn about your money and learn about things off the field, I will tell you the highest GPA, right? The the smartest person graduating from your school would kill to come into a job their first year out of college and be making rookie minimum now might be over 700 grand. At that time, it was 460 grand, right? So although you want to focus and, and give some respect to life after football because it's guaranteed to come, you also have to take advantage of this opportunity, right? And you have to pour 
all your heart into it as well, too. So I think it's a fine line and a balance. And as you get older and get more experience, I've been able to feel more comfortable in knowing what I need to do to be a good football player, but also knowing the dreams and aspirations I have off the field. Yes. And I think in that TEDx speech that you also said this line that your grandfather told you, it's a poor rat that only has one hole. And I would love for you to explain that in the context that he said it, and then we can relay it to real life. Yeah. You know, my mom, single mom, trying to provide for two boys. And sometimes she'd be late to work and would need to drop me off to my grandfather's house to get a ride to school. And a lot of times it'd be like, hey, we'd be stuck in traffic on the way to school. We'd be stuck in traffic. And if we stayed in this um, this particular route, we would be late, hands down. This was, you know, my granddad wasn't rocking Google Maps and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't pulling out the cell phones. And I always remember him looking over to me and be like, Cope, just remember in life, it's a poor rat that only has one hole. Like, huh? What are you talking about? Even granddad from Mississippi. And, you know, he had a, a wild story. And like I said, it's a poor rat that only has one hole. And then he just, whoo, 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 he just started switching lanes and he'd get us on a path and it'd be smooth sailing to, uh, I went to Gilman in, in Baltimore. It'd be smooth sailing to Gilman. And, and we'd get there even sometimes a minute before the bell ring, but we'd get there. And what he meant by that and what he would explain later on as I got older is like, when you only have one hole, you only have one option. So if a rat's trying to get into their home and you close up that hole, they're stuck, Right. But for him and in his life, and then also what he was embedding in me is that ultimately you're going to, you got to reach that end destination, whether it's Gilman, whether it's doctor, lawyer, teacher, entrepreneur, businesswoman, businessman. And if you have one hole, you're not going to get there. But when you're able to adjust and be flexible and climb over obstacles and, and understand that you have multiple routes and multiple ways to reach that end destination, then you're able to really maximize your life and, and create the life that you want for yourself. So spoiler alert for for that talk, but the the moral of the story was just, we got to get it by any means, right? And and we got to find a way. And, and I am here, my granddad instilled in me, like I am here to live my dream, right? And people might think that's selfish and it might sound selfish, but my dream is to give to my community. My dream is to help, right? But I'm not here to to have it stopped by anything or anybody. And when you embrace that mindset and you also accept the fact that there will be obstacles, there will be traffic along the way. You just learn to roll with the punches, right? Between, well, I wouldn't even say between you and I, like I had surgery yesterday morning on my knee. I got it bandaged up here. Didn't plan on it, right? It it happened uh, last, last week. It was a complete surprise, right? It is what it is. On to the next. Like you can't cry over it. It is what it is. I still got these things. It doesn't mean my life is over. It doesn't mean this, this story is over. It just means it's going to be a little more interesting. It's going to be a really good for the next speaking engagement, I guess. Right. Well, and I mean, you've borrowed other holes outside of what you do with the NFL. And so regardless of what happens from this point, you know, you'll be okay, which is what your grandfather was talking about. So I also read that when you first got drafted into the league, like you had like a one point, I think 2 million contract, but you got hurt shortly after that. And you only really saw a fraction of that money, like 25,000. And it was from that or maybe, you know, other experiences that you realized that you could not spend all that money that you got from the league. Like you had to learn to live on less. So I would love for you to talk about that experience and the takeaways from that. Yeah. So it was a $1.45 million contract, three years, uh, which sounded really, really good in college, you know. And unfortunately, I didn't get hurt. I got fired. 
you know, it's just, hey, you're not good enough. And I think that that was one of the things that, again, fortunately, I knew and understood coming into the league that a lot of my peers didn't know. Like, just because you sign your name on that dotted line, it's not a real contract <laughs> where it's like, oh, they owe me this money. It's not that. And I saw some of my teammates at the mall thinking it was guaranteed. And, you know, they found out the hard way that they they left the league with debt. So um, I saw 26000 before being fired for the first time. and ultimately experienced like that a couple weeks later I got picked up by the Tennessee Titans and I played with them for a few weeks and then uh got cut four minutes before the deadline for the week where you got to pay me for the week you know it's 4 p.m eastern I got cut at 3 56 p.m eastern right after doing a charity event for him that morning I'm like oh, you had me out there talking to the kids right went home a week later they called me back got picked back up so that year, for example, that was my first year in the NFL. And that year, I realized how fickle this thing was, right? Like, it's almost like sometimes they like, you know, they put they they lick their finger, put it to the wind. and like, all right, let's cut him today. You know, he's getting too comfortable, you know? And for me, that was like the dreams I have for myself and my family and the life I want to live are, are beyond just football. Now, I, I say all that. If I had me a $100 million contract, like, you know, it'd be, it'd be a little easier to stick with it. And I'd probably just be focused on that, but I'd still be invested in doing other things and learning about other things. But, but at that time, it kind of showed me like, Hey, like I can't wait on football to validate me and make my bank account look the way I needed to look in order to help my community and in order to do the things that I want to do in this world. Right. So we got to get it regardless, right. We got to figure out a way to make money while making money. And, And so uh, when I came into the NFL, I was already day trading. I was trading stocks throughout my, my first year. And at the end of that year, I'm not sure if I shared this with you, Kanye West, I went to a Kanye West concert and, oh man, and he put the battery in my back. I ain't gonna lie to you. It was, I, I was not trying to go to the concert and go ahead and put that out there. I respect Kanye. I respect the, the genius of the, the man. I know that he's a polarizing person and I don't agree with the things that he does. I don't agree with all the things he says, but I can respect the person being told no to <laughs> that you're not good enough and and you still continuing to fight, fight, fight for your dream because, hey, that's a he, he didn't have just one hole. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> with that being said, long story short, I go to the Kanye West concert. I got the battery in my back and I'm like, yeah, I, I go make a, a trade in the market. And literally the, the next day or two days after the whole market was down 2%, because of something going on in Greece. It was 2013, not something stuff going on in Greece. And I was like, I got no control over this. As a black man growing up, it's like, you know, you, you don't trust many people. And what I feel like as a culture, especially as athletes, we work hard our entire lives to get to this dream. And, you know, I've been through a lot to, to play football. And now you turn your money over to a financial advisor. Me, I manage my own stuff. And I was having really good success up until that point within the market and doubling and tripling my account type of thing. I was trading options. And what I realized though, I was like, I have no control over any of this stuff. So that's when I started learning about real estate. Cause I was like, at least if I lose, it's on me. Like I gotta, I buy the house. Ain't nobody going to take the cash out of my pocket to purchase a crib. I'm going to pick the colors of the walls, the kitchen design, the carpets, all that stuff. And so that literally my, my yearning to want to have more control over my own outcome is what's encouraged me to learn about different businesses and hustles and hobbies and passions. And then the final thing I'll add there is 
the next level step is when you are in those businesses and hustles and hobbies and passions and you find ways to monetize them, it's how do I do this easier? How do I do this and actually get my time back? How do I do this? And I was doing a podcast with one of my big brothers, his name is Steve McClendon. He's going into year 14 with the Buccaneers, I believe. And, and we did an interview and he was like, you know, as black people, a lot of times we talk, you know, I'm grinding all day, you know, no days off, 24-7, no sleep, all that stuff. He was like, I'm dream chasing, I'm dream chasing. He was like, boy, if you don't catch the dream, at some point you got to catch the damn dream, right? Like I'm not working this hard to continue to work this hard for the rest of my life. And I think that that's something that we, I grew up and I still do. I wear as a badge of pride. Like I'm outwork anybody. I have no, like there's no doubt in my mind when it comes to that. But like, I'm not trying to do this at 35, 40, 45, 50, staying up late at night, spending time away from the fam, all that stuff. So when you get into a, a, a job or a business or a hustle, I think that's something I've done well is I find ways with like, who can I look at that's doing it on a better scale, making more money, more efficiently, easier, getting their time back and spending more time living as opposed to working for money? Right. Which I mean, this is what we talk about here. So you're in the perfect place because regardless of how much you make, and I know there's a certain line, right, that you need to just be stable, be able to pay your bills. And then once you like get past that and now you have extra money, hopefully, to get towards your goals, like paying off debt, investing, creating wealth, then we have like a choice. Like, what do we do with our time and energy and our resources to bring us further to our goals? I do want to go back. So one of the things too that that I read was that you, at some point, were only living on 90% of your income. And wondering what that looks like. It's all relative, right? Because you were living off 10% of your income and saving 90% of your income. I think that's what I read. Yeah. And so it's all relative, of course, like what that went to, but in the scheme of like your surroundings, right? So your friends, I mean, I'm sure you have outside friends who are not like making as much as you are in the NFL, but how do you withstand society's expectations or like the people around you, like in the locker room who are not thinking that way and are like, well, why aren't you spending more money and seeing what they're doing? Like, how do you not spend more or do more with your money when you have that? Yeah. So I tell people I tell my students is like, one, you got to first and foremost, figure out your why. And I'm blessed to listen to a lot of different experiences. Like I think some people think they know the answer. So they just shut everything out. And like, I'm gonna go for for me. Like I listen to everybody. I don't care who who you are, what your rank in life or society is like, I'm listening. I'm trying to see what gems I can take from it. And so I was fortunate, literally the first time we went out in the NFL, it was my first time going out with the NFL guys. Oh man. It's going to be, and, and listen, they, they did it well. That's all I'm going to say. One of the veterans, he got a big party bus, took DC. The Ravens had just come off the Super Bowl, right? Like, and he was paying for dang there, everything on the way to the club. But one of the things I watched this, this one guy named Tommy Street, he was a wide receiver from the University of Miami. He didn't go out because literally in practice, he running a route, he falls, his knees messed up. He's screaming, screaming, screaming. That was the first, one of the first times I saw it. The team, like, just, all right, let's flip practice around and just started going the other way. And I'm like, this dude is over here screaming. Like, this dude's career is probably over. And we just keep it going. Like, we're literally practicing. And he's, ah, you know. And so that's the reason why he wasn't going out is because he couldn't physically go out. And one of the things he said, he was like, look, young boys, he was in his car. I remember outside of the hotel, he 
like look young boys y'all make sure when y'all go out there i know we some competitive people because we athletes don't start competing out there like you see somebody throw money so now you want to throw money you see somebody buy a bottle because they trying to be cool or because they got the money to do it now you want to buy a bottle you want to buy your own table you want to buy your own section leave the competition on the field don't take it over there because you don't know what their bank account is like you don't know what their contract is like and literally it rung with me throughout the entire night and it was one of the best lessons i ever got because i do fight the urge right guys come in with the new car guys come in with the the jewelry that you may want to have or something like that but what i think i tell everybody one i gotta address we all have to address what we want and what we hold value on like what we actually value so for me i don't mind sharing like i got this chain on and a lot of guys look at it like, oh damn Kobe chain this is $79 on Amazon right <laughs> I got this chain on right here and this is just a little you know it was like 80 on on something but it's waterproof sauna proof all that stuff right got my Apple watch this is probably the most expensive piece of jewelry I have in my Apple watch right my wife got me some real earrings I think those are a couple hundred bucks but ultimately like I'm the type of guy I know I'm probably gonna lose it or I don't care about it <laughs> either right and it's not to knock anybody that does. For me, I know what I value. I value things that make me more money so that I don't have to work hard for the rest of my life. Um, so I try to put my money there. And you have to battle your urges and stay disciplined. And, you know, Dave Ramsey quote, live like no one else now. So later on in life, you can live and give like no one else. Like, I don't agree with everything Dave Ramsey says, but that's a real thing, right? You look in the locker room. And most of us, stats say most of us are failing, right? Why would I follow what you all are doing? Like stats tell me if I want different for my life, I have to do different. And I would tell everybody else, journeyers and everybody, I tell everybody, like, we just know that we're quote unquote failing from a financial standpoint. And and I'm sure the stats are different because those quotes, those numbers came out years ago and guys have definitely done a lot more since then. But we know we're failing because the cameras are on us and our money and our contract is publicized, right? So if you see a guy making a million plus dollars a year, $3 million a year, and they're driving a car that you don't expect them to be driving, people are on social media like, oh, he broke, he must be broke. Like, not necessarily, right? There's others in life and in society who are doing the exact same thing and failing, but it's no camera in their face and publicizing. So what I tell people is like, if you understand that most your vision is beyond what others have for themselves, you can't operate like them and expect great results or those higher than, than expected results. I tell young athletes that you know, I want to be in the league. Well, if you finish conditioning when everyone else on your high school team finishes conditioning and 90% of them don't want to be in the league, how are you going to get to the league? <laughs> you got to do more. That's, I think, the thing that keeps me in check when I do want to spend more being 100% blunt, right? Like I think I have money anxiety where it's like, I'm so conscious of not being broke and not going to a life that I don't want to live that I'm always thinking about it. And I'm afraid to spend money. So I actually am consciously not trying to splurge and blow money, but trying to treat myself with the things that I deserve for all the hard work and the surgeries and stuff. And it's a balance, but ultimately there's nothing that I'm going to try to do to impress anybody else in their value system that can be a detriment to an older version of myself. Yeah. Have you read uh, Bill Perkins' book, Die With Zero? 
No, no, but I need to. I'm adding it to the list right now. Yeah, so he was just on the podcast. So I would recommend that book to you and anyone listening. And he was on the podcast. So he talks about maximizing your life experiences, not like maximizing your money or your net worth. It's like your net enjoyment of your life. And it changed a bit of how I thought about money or confirmed already what I knew to be. And it talks about there's a certain level at which you you have enough money, you have the investments, you are fine. And what you don't want is to get to the end of your life and look back and said, wow, I should have really did that thing or had that experience. And kind of what you're saying, like not everyone wants the car, like everyone wants different things. So it doesn't have to be the car, but it could be the nice trip or like the vacations with your wife and with your kids and all these things that like you could be spending more on and you actually can afford it. Um, so I would just recommend that book. And in general, it's not something I think is unique. Like I have the same feeling and I think it never ends. Like some people think once you have money, like once you get to a million, two million, three million, you don't have these concerns, you'll be fine. And I've just spoken to so many people where it's like they have that and they're still not fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a drug. I mean, when you think it's an addiction, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody that that's dealing with the drug addiction, but caffeine's an addiction. Making money is an addiction as well, too. Like, I remember one of my roommates from college, he's a big, we called him Mr. Wall Street, big Wall Street guy. We knew he was going to take over Wall Street one day, but he used to watch the movie Wall Street. He's the one who introduced me to it. Um, I think the second version of it with Shia LaBeouf, you know, one of the guys asked him, like, what's your number? And he was like, what's your number to retire? He was like, what's your number? And he was just smiling. He said, more. And I was like, I feel that. Especially at that time, I'm like, I feel that, Right. And now as I've gotten more mature, I'm like, well, that's the issue is like, you'll never have enough, right? Like once I reach a hundred million, like I'm going, let's get to a billion. Let's get to half a million. You know, you can either let the money chase consume your life or you can live your life knowing that money is a tool. And so it's a tough battle though, right? Like I'm actively battling it, but I'm definitely going to check out that book because a couple of my teammates have been like, you got to enjoy your money, B. I mean, this guy, Deion Jones, you got to enjoy your money, B. You got to, man, you know, and, and so, you know, it's getting, it's a, it's a never ending battle. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I, I appreciate you being open with us on that because again, I think that's going to resonate with people who are feeling the same way like myself. What if there was a way for you to save thousands of dollars so that you could spend more money on what matters to you? If you have a monthly car loan payment, chances are you're paying too much on your vehicle loan. AutoApprove can help you refinance your current car loan so that you can lower your monthly payment, get a better rate, or both. AutoApprove connects vehicle owners with the best available rates to refinance their current car loans with no markups ever, and even handles the DMV paperwork, making it simple to save thousands and lower your monthly payments. Check this out. In 2021, AutoApprove customers saved on average $1,692 per year. What would you do with that much money back in your pocket? Me? Ooh, I'd probably take a solo staycation at a local hotel or hire the babysitter more for some date nights out with hubby. It's time for you to put more money back into your pocket to spend on the things that matter to you. Get more money for what matters to you the most with AutoApprove. Find out how much you can save at autoapprove.com slash journey to launch. That's A-U-T-O-A-P-P-R-O-V-E dot com slash journey to launch. Now, when it comes to just like going back, you interned on Wall Street in college. 
And again, I'm still thinking like, how did you have all the time? I know you didn't have all the time, but like <laughs> the motivation um, or just like the drive to do that. So you interned on, in college, you took some of that and like you talked about investing your own money. You are a professor also on the off season. Talk about the transitions that you've made outside of the field that have helped you. Like, cause I always look back and say, all right, I didn't know why I was doing that thing or why I had that experience back when I was like in my twenties, but it set me up for the next step. And here I am today. Like it all like factors in and makes sense once you're looking back. Yeah. So like you said, interning in college, the biggest takeaway I learned from my internship in college, there's two things. One to be my damn self. You know, I, I went into that internship and literally I told myself again, kid from Baltimore, mother, we grew up and she got us out to the county. And then we ended up going back to school and doing all our sports and stuff in the city and everything like that. And it's like, I'm just a hustler. I always call it, I'm corporate thugging. And I remember I, for, for the internship, I bought my first suit for the interview. And I remember the entire interview process. I went to the first time I ever went to a nice steakhouse. It was Ruth Chris. It was right across from the interview spot the next day or the after the interview um, before we caught the train back down to Philly. And I remember literally telling the guy, like, one of the things that is different about me than most people is like, I'm going to outwork everybody here. Like, I have no problem admitting that. And what I'll say is to get to the point, going into that internship, I was caught between two things, right? Like you're going on Wall Street. This was Union Bank of Switzerland, UBS. You got a decision to make in all these things. You can either suck up and I don't, you know, not knocking anybody that chooses that, but suck up and try to ask the questions and be the person that they want you to be, or you can be yourself and hope that that's great enough. Right. And so I decided to go into that internship because that was my first time away from being home for the summer. You know, that was my first time away. It was out of my comfort zone and things like that. But I was like, even if I take this and I don't like it, then that's just as good of an experience as knowing that I love it. I ended up loving sales and trade. I ended up loving stocks and picking stocks and things like that. But I remember sitting with people and I'm like, look, I'm going to ask you the real questions. I didn't tell them this, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and ask you like, oh, well, what's what's the resistance? And well, what's this mean? And, and okay, cool. What's the delta on that? Right? Like, I don't care about that. I remember having this conversation with somebody gets to the second point because this is what made me say, hey, I, I want to always own my life and have control of my life. UBS was going through a bunch of cuts at that time. It was 2010, I want to say. So it was 2008 had happened. And then now it's the ripple effect, right? 2000 jobs being lost, things like that. And so you see grown ass people kissing up to their managers and just nervous for their job, right? This is my livelihood. I've been here for 20 years, 10 years, whatever, right? And so I remember having this conversation with this guy. I won't say his name. He was like 45 at the time. And we're having this conversation and he was really, really cool to me. I wish I had his number. I would love to reach out to him and just thank him. And um, he had a picture of his daughters on the, the desk. And somehow or another, we get to the conversation about happiness. And long story short, he kind of loses. Like some people are, just aren't happy, blah, 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 blah. I, as a college kid, I'd ask him, like, hey, like, are you happy? And he literally takes the longest pause, looks at the screen, and he just says, no. He's like, I'm making a lot of money. My girls are, he had three girls. The girls are well taken care of. They'll be taken care of. But I'm not happy. I'm pushing around this piece of paper, selling 
think he was selling bonds or something. And like, what am I doing? And literally at that moment, I was like, there is no way. <laughs> like For me personally, like I know that I'll have to, there are things in life I may have to do because that's part of sacrifice in creating income, right? But that can't be the point of it. That can't be the the sole reason that I'm living, right? Like I gotta be happy. So I, I know that that might not be necessarily been your question, but for me, like a lot of people ask, am I just doing things just because of the hustle? It's like, no, like I'm literally happy doing things that I'm doing. I'm happy feeling overwhelmed at times. I'm happy, you know, texting my, my property manager about something real estate wise while I'm getting my ankles taped before a game, right? <laughs> As opposed to some guys, they sit in Instagram or TikTok or whatever, right? Like I'm happy literally controlling my life. And I think that 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 lesson right there going into my junior year in college was the one thing I went back to UBS and I've worked and hustled to to learn so many different things that I can feel like I can take from it and just amplify my life, amplify the things that I am I've worked hard for or the money I've worked hard for to go and now let's put it to work, right? But literally, I mean, even I've always had the kind of mindset like even in college, I remember like in games a lot of people would be thinking like Oh, let me make the big play like for my teammates and for I need to get to the NFL. This is going to get me to the league. Right. Like, but for me, it was like, oh, yeah, like I'm going to make this big play because I love hearing my teammates cheer. Right. I love, you know, hearing the fans and all that type of stuff, get excited about it. But more importantly, like I need to get to the league because I need startup capital. Getting to the league is a platform for me to unlock all the dreams that I have in my life. And so I can literally visualize going against these teams in overtime and literally thinking, I make this play here. It's going to suck it up, Cope. <sighs> Tired as hell. Come on. Start up capital. Like, you really going to let your whole life go because of this, right? So for me, my, my motivation for football has always been a little different. And again, for better or for worse, we'll never know. Like, we may look back. I may look back at, at 80-some years old. Hopefully, you know, get that old 80-some years old. And I'm like, damn, like I should have just focused all on football, you know? Who knows? Like, I don't know if I'm wrong or I'm right, but I just know for me and my ADD I have in my brain from a business standpoint, I got to go for it. And I got to go for it now because we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. This is why I feel like it's such a this skill. And this is what I want my children to gain and to be is like to ask questions like deeper than what you see on the surface level. I feel like so many people, no matter where, what station you are in life, how much money you make, like you're in circles, right? Where a lot of people are sleepwalking through their life or living surface level. And it's the people who ask the questions and look beyond what is shown to them. Like something appears to be perfect or look good. And then there's like a little uh, like tear on it. Right. And it's just like, I admire the people who can see the little tear and wonder what's behind the tear. Like what's behind like this package that you're presenting, asking the introspective questions about yourself, about other people being a detective in life. Right. Because when you're that curious it leads to other questions that leads to answers you didn't know that you were looking for and down paths that take you different places. And I feel like that is where people find like their lives, like not this like surface level thing that most of us have been doing. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. I think that, it, you know, it's not even in a pessimistic way, right? Like it's not always just looking for the chink in the armor or the crack, right? It's just more of like, let's have a real conversation. Like that's one thing that I am personally like, I've been blessed with is like, I'm polite. I want to ask like, but like, there's a lot of times where I'll stop you. Like, how are you doing? And like, oh, I'm good. 
no, like, seriously, how are you doing? Like, let's let's talk about it. Like, because there's something that you might be going through that I can learn from or I can potentially help you with. Who knows? And so I think that, like you said, just having real conversation, like we're all people, we're all humans. And, and I think that most of us, unfortunately, have fell in this trap of uh, when it comes to money specifically, most of us have, have fallen, fell into this trap of we got to work for money. I don't know if I'm in it now, but like I was always in it, right? There's never enough. And you're just working for your next check and you're working for your next thing, your next thing, your next thing, your next thing. And then you have that lifestyle creep as you make more. And then you end up just still working more to afford all the things that you just bought, right? When you strip that back, it's like, is it the nice car that makes you happy? Or is it the time you spend with your family? And I think that, like you said, kids are so, in my mind, like my kid, I love my children and, and they're all over my social media. I'm that dad that if this was back in the day before phones, I'd had that wallet, like, look at my kids, look at these, look at it, you know? So, you know, I feel sorry for people that come across me for that, but but like my son, my two-year-old, he's two and a half and, and he's in that why phase, right? Like you ask him to do something, he's like, why? And I'm like, boy, that's so frustrating, but ooh, I'm so proud. Like, I'm so proud that you like are asking like, well, why do I got to go to sleep, daddy? Or why do I have to, or why can't we have this today? Or why do, why can't I get in the pool right now? And like, there's literally times where I'm actually also just as a parent trying to untrain my mind from the way I grew up, where it's like, you know what, why can't you? And that's the beauty of things. That's the beauty of, of being an entrepreneur, I think, too, is like, I don't have to go do my work now. As long as I get it done, like, yeah, you know what? Let's go to the pool. Why can't I have a freeze pop data? Oh, I don't know why you can't have one. I just couldn't have one growing up because we didn't have them in the house. All right. You know what? Let's go get one. You know, like, so so I think that that's the cool thing. And I think that that's, uh, that's the growth. You know, that's the, the beautiful part about society that we're in today. And we're just learning, learning from each other, learning from each other's journeys. Yeah. You know, one of the things that struck me, so it sounds like you you were cut really early on in your career and you faced setbacks like you just talked about having a surgery, like disappointment and rejection, whether that's just like, you know, you're expecting something to happen and it doesn't happen the way you want or like being kind of played by other people who are in positions of power. Right. Like by coaches or just in general, the powers that be and whether you are an NFL player or you work in a corporate job or even as an entrepreneur, right? Like there's sometimes I'm dealing with people who it's like, yeah, I don't have one boss, but like I am working in multiple uh, scenarios where there are multiple people who I'm having to have to get buy-in from in certain situations. Like if I have a brand partnership or something going on, right? And it's just like, some of that is all dependent on this person and their opinion, which is not gold all the time. Like, you know, that you sometimes they don't know what they're talking about. So how do you navigate with the disappointments and the rejections you faced throughout your career? How do you like not make that become something that you become bitter with? Right. Because I know there's some people that are just like, why am I even doing this? Because they don't care about like my my body or my mental health or my family. I'm just like a, a check. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a resource for them. I'm an investment. Yeah. So for me, I'll say it's always been fuel for motivation. Recently, I've tried to get out of, and recently I've said like the last couple of years, I've tried to get out of the revenge mindset. But, you know, I think Childish Gambino said it on, on the shop recently. It was like, I love making you look stupid. I genuinely enjoy, I still on my, the room that I grew up in, or, or actually take this, my football camp, the last one we had before the pandemic, literally across the thing, there was a bunch of positive stuff. And then in between it was all these negative quotes said, 
like, oh, you're too slow to make it in the league. Oh, you can't make it. Oh, who's this? Somebody, when I signed to the Lions, who's this special Eddie linebacker, right? Like, who's this nobody? Things like that. And all throughout the camp. And, you know, the kids eventually guess, like, those are all things said about me, right? I love making you look stupid. And again, those people who made those comments, they'll never know. It's never going to affect them and all that stuff. But for me, you can let it cripple you or you can use it as motivation or you can ignore it, right? Some people are really good at ignoring it and keep their mind peaceful and all that stuff. Me, I'm that type of person like Drake said. So, you know, I think, I, you know, we have a podcast, Money Music Culture. We definitely need you on as a guest. Drake said, you know, I just had somebody tell me I fell off. Ooh, I needed that. Right. And headlines. Right. Like that's what I need sometimes. Like sometimes things get, I don't want to say too good. Sometimes things get too easy. Right. And for me, I need the challenge. I need you to say, oh, you can't come back from this to put a bow on that. It's like I've used negative things, rejection and stuff as motivation. I never allow it to stop my life, though. So even in my second year in the NFL, after two weeks, they cut me and uh, I didn't play the rest of the season. So that season, I think I made about $8,000 for the entire year. And I gave myself one calendar year to get back into the NFL. Unfortunately, I did. And it's been a dream come true ever since. But like those type of experiences are things that like literally when I go, you know, football is a different mode. Like I go into the weight room and it's and I remember that year specifically my coach had to come up to me and be like, hey, can you like take your headphones off and talk with your teammates? <laughs> it's not that I don't like them. These are great people provide for their families. But last year, everybody gave you guys a check and said that you all were better than me. I ain't got shit to say to you. I'm locked in and I, I got to eat like this is about me now. So I think everybody has to find what you work best with. For some people, they think that that's not a, a healthy mentality to take. I'm like, hey, if it ain't healthy, I'm that's cool with me. I'm I'm an unhealthy individual then, right? Like you just gotta figure out what works best for you so that you can allow it to fuel you as opposed to cripple you or again just ignore it. Yeah, I love that. I think we can all adopt and again, like you said, it's gonna be tailored to what works, but like a game time kind of attitude where it's like I feel like mine is within this space of what I'm doing now with my business is you may not know me now, but you will know me one day. Like we will be sitting at the same table. So I don't need the acknowledgement. Like I don't need the buy-in from you. I'm just going to do the work and it's going to be undeniable. And that's kind of like how I operate without like looking at what other people are doing. So I just, I think we can all, whether you are sitting at a cubicle right now or in your house, right? Like adopt that mindset that literally like you're the best unknown thing or people are under, underestimating you. Maybe you're underestimating yourself, right? Like sometimes we are our own worst enemy or hater. And I was going to say on, on top of that is like, and I love this conversation. So again, I appreciate you having me on. These are like therapy for me. So I, I enjoy this. Uh, it's my b biggest chance to kind of reflect. And uh, what I am actively dealing with now is stop waiting for other people's validation. You mentioned it earlier. A buddy of mine, a former teammate of mine, his wife, we were talking about education uh, recently at, at the Super Bowl. And, and she was talking about how she used to, uh, I can't remember, so A&R or do some, something with a music company. She brought her boss's Drake's first thing. Mixtape or something. Yeah. Anyway, nah, you know, like, man, this kid's not going to do anything. A few months later, she comes back in and says, I told you so. Right. And because and it, it was number one all, all over everything. Right. What she said, literally immediately, she was like, I'm 
I'm trying to find me a different gig, a different role because I am the culture, you know, and I'm not trying to sound like Kanye, but like, why am I trying to get you to validate what I know as this is good? And one of my businesses, we, we have a consultancy, a consultancy or an advisement group, a cascade advisory group. And the way it became that is because originally it was like, I'm always trying to pitch people on different ideas. Like, Hey, you want sponsors? Hey, you want to get behind this? Hey, you want to do this? And it's like, I'm the strongest pitch in the world is, Hey, I'm doing this regardless of whether you want to be behind or not. If you want to get on and look good, come on. If not, cool. It's happening regardless. And so I think that as I've changed my mindset to be like that, as opposed to like, Hey, do you think this is cool? What do you think you should, we should do in this? Right? Like I know what we should do. <laughs> the reason why I can talk confidently about, I know what we should do. Cause it's like educating NFL players. I know what we need to do, right? Like, because I educate people and I'm in the locker room, right? There's not too many people that can tell me what we need to do to educate players better because I am who I'm trying to educate. And at a time I was pitching to other people trying to get you to validate my thoughts so that I guess I would feel good when I looked in the mirror like, yeah, you know, that company said it's right. Why do I care what you think? Right. So I think just stripping away the need for validation um, will also help with those times of rejection because you won't feel as like, ah, man, you know, my idol or that company I was looking for, my mentor let me down there. Right. Because you'd be like, I don't not disrespectfully, it's like I don't, I don't need your validation. Yes, yes. Now, can you just also talk a little bit about your other ventures? So you mentioned your consultancy firm. You also are a professor, so we did say that you're Professor Cope, also known as, and some of the things that you're focused on. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Professor, as you mentioned, now I'm partnered with a company called Subject.com. It's called Subject, uh, but literally, basically rolling out. I'm the financial education uh, director, so literally rolling out classes for high school kids for credit around the country shot like Netflix. It's literally a kid gets access to my class. We got the first ever accredited cryptocurrency class. We're getting NFTs. We're getting, uh, we're getting Redfin to teach the the real estate home buying course, right? All for credit for high school students. And they also have chemistry, biology, all those things. So really just democratizing the access to information on the education side. And that's, that's my goal. So the kids in Baltimore, the kids in Mississippi, the kids in New York, get the same access as the kids in, you know, the, the wealthiest places in the world, right? I have a consultancy business, um, an advisory firm where we partner with clients to basically help them help their target or their mission actually reach their audience better, right? It's typically around a financial education space, but um, if you have tools for things, how do you get it to reach these communities? Well, we're in those communities and we can help you actually target your message and and help make sure that it actually impacts the people. Because some of these companies actually do have some really good things for people um, and minorities and and everyone in general, right? The average investor. But if no one knows about it, then who cares, right? Um, And then outside of that, I'm just an investor. So real estate investments, um, we started doing single family home residential flips. Uh, we still do those from time to time, but now I've graduated to commercial. So we're building uh, in downtown Newark, New Jersey. We have the largest affordable housing building. Uh, we have getting 66 units. We're having a 37 unit, 16 unit, a 12 unit being built. Um, and then recently just started acquiring land so that we can build commercial assets there. Well, we're not going to build. We we create partnerships and let the the companies build their commercial assets there. Like 
let's make Amazon the tenant, Chipotle, FedEx, Home Depot, those types of things. So again, like I said, gotten real estate for one thing, but now it's like, okay, y'all, oh, y'all doing it like that easier. Let's do that. So I keep telling people my goal is to have parking lots and storage units and things that I can hand over to my, my kids and be like, listen, don't F this up. Right. <laughs> right. Just repaint the lines every 50 years, you know, so so they can live their, their dreams and their fullest lives. And then again, from an investment standpoint, also extremely interested and in hope journeyers look into venture investing, uh, private equity deals, companies before they go public. It's very, very risky, as we all know. But once it's public and once it's stamped, you can make a lot of money off of it. And you should. Right. You should hold it over time. But there's a lot of money that's been made on it prior to it ever being that popular. And so uh, just been trying to not trying to actively invest in in, in companies before they, they uh, become public. That's so smart. I don't know if you know Arlen Hamilton. Also, she's a friend of the show and she's a venture capitalist and she talks about this all the time. So I just love that. It's all like connecting the dots. And if you heard anything, um, if you're listening to this and it, it piques your interest, write it down, do the research. And follow the clues, right? Be curious about your life and uh, follow through. So Brandon, this was amazing. Please tell everyone where they could find out more about you. And then also your Instagram account so we can see your your son that you talk about so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, so you can, all my social media is at bcope51, B-C-O-P-E-5-1. You can find more out about me at life101.io or brandoncopeland.com. So um, there's contact forms and things like that if you ever want to get in touch. But ultimately, yeah, no, I, I appreciate you having me on this on this space. This like, I love the name Journey, Journey to Launch, because I think ultimately it's it's a never ending journey. And so I think that you know the last thing I want to say with, with everybody is like, you are where you are for a reason. And although you might be in a seat, you know, like even me today, like you feel like oh, I got so much more to do and so much more I could do better and so many things I can make up up for, right? Like I think that. We look at people sometimes and we we see that shell and you're like, oh, this must be perfect. This must be glamorous. But like we all are on that journey, you know, so like I, I think embrace it and just figure out how I can be better tomorrow and how I can be better the next day. And as we say in the, the NFL, my, my first coach used to always say, just stack good days. Like, let me just keep stacking good days. And when the dust settles, I'm sure I'll be happy with, with where I am. Oh, love it. Love it. Thanks so much again, Brandon, for all of this. It was amazing. I appreciate you. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me in the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, 
And last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. 